Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. I love learning about different Easter traditions. You know, some families will insist on purchasing matching outfits for the family so they can get that perfect picture after church. Others will spend weeks crafting that perfect Easter menu so they can get together with their family for food on Sunday afternoon. And still yet others will do things like dye Easter eggs for the kids and scatter them throughout the house. In my family, we always had our Easter baskets to rummage through before we came to church. I can vividly recall waking up as a child and experiencing the profound wonder and joy that the Easter bunny had come to my house and left a basket full of candy just for me. But as I got older and wiser, apparently the Easter bunny did as well. One year, probably toward the end of elementary school, I came downstairs on Easter morning and there was no basket with my name on it. I know that I looked straight at my mother, who's here this morning, with a look that said, What happened? She smiled and she said, Taylor, I came downstairs early this morning and I discovered something new and something strange. The Easter Bunny knows you're getting older and wiser and decided to hide your Easter basket. And thus began a wonderful and wild tradition in the Mertens household. Year after year, the Easter Bunny became craftier with hiding spots. Once, after searching for a good 15 minutes, I found my Easter basket in one of my sister's closets. Another time, it was hidden outside on the picnic table. And yet another time, after a very frustrating hour, I found it in the attic. But one year, I couldn't find it at all. I looked and I looked and I looked. I went out to the shed in the backyard. I climbed up our magnolia tree. I even looked in the refrigerator. But there was no Easter basket. My mother, being the great mother she is, had already searched through the house. She knew where it was, but she refused to participate. The only hint she gave me was, it's in a place you never go to. I searched that house from top to bottom, bathrooms, closets, hallways. I went over the same places with a fine-tooth comb multiple times, but I couldn't find it. I was at the point where I was convinced the Easter Bunny had forgotten about me. But my mother, being the great mother she is, she saw me in agony. She walked right over to the laundry machine. <laughs> she opened the lid, and there was my Easter basket. I had been looking in all the wrong places. Jesus was killed on a cross. And then they buried him in a tomb. After three days, Mary went to the tomb and she was shocked to discover the stone covering the entrance had been rolled away. So she ran. She ran back to tell the disciples. Peter and John in turn run back to the tomb with Mary and they find the linens that had covered Jesus' body neatly folded in the corner. The gospel tells us that they saw this and they believed 
and they returned to their homes. But not Mary. No, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And while weeping and crying, she leaned inside and she saw two angels who asked her, What in the world are you doing? She turned away and there she saw Jesus, but she did not recognize him. And he said to her, What are you doing? Who are you looking for? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said, If you took him away, please tell me where he is. And Jesus said, Mary. And her eyes were opened to the resurrection. Mary, it seems, was looking for Jesus in all the wrong places. How many times had she heard him proclaim his death and resurrection? How many times had he told her what was to happen? What did she think he meant when he said, I will rise again? The resurrection of the dead, Easter, it upends and upsets all expectations. Mary, this follower of Jesus, someone whose life was forever changed and transformed by the Lord, cannot even come close to it without Jesus calling her by name. She cannot fathom what it is she is looking for. And she even confuses Jesus as the gardener. Mary gets a pretty bad rap in the church for confusing her Lord for the maintenance man. I mean, hadn't she spent nearly every day with him since he saved her from that crowd ready to stone her? Wasn't he the most important person in her life? And she supposes him the gardener. But maybe Mary sees more than she knows and way more than we give her credit for. Maybe she really saw the gardener. After all, God had given life to Adam in the garden long ago and called him to take care of it. Perhaps in the resurrection, Jesus has become all that God ever intended. Jesus is the gardener of God's creation. He is the new Adam. Maybe the Bible has come full circle from the Garden of Eden to Jesus as the gardener through this woman named Mary. She sees and she believes. Many of you know that I have a good Friday tradition of carrying our cross through our city. If you've ever been here on Easter, you've heard stories about my experiences of carrying that cross over my shoulder in our town. Like the first year, when everyone avoided me at all costs. Jay walking across the street just so they wouldn't have to encounter me. Or the second year, when nobody would leave me alone. Everybody wanted to know who I was and why I was doing it, if they could pray with me. And then last year, when I was walking downtown and a young boy looked up at me and he said, Mommy, look, that guy, he's carrying a giant X. <laughs> and how much I laughed at that and then how sad I was. That this young boy in our town had no idea what this was. That he confused it for a letter at the end of the alphabet. This year, I gathered here on Friday at about noon. I prayed in the sanctuary. I grabbed the cross. I was wearing black from head to toe. And I started walking downtown. You know, I do this every year because I want the death of Christ to rattle people out of their complacency. I want people to know and remember what God was willing to do for them. I want them to look at this cross and believe. So on Friday, before I even made it to the post office just down the road, no less than five cars had pulled over to thank me for what I was doing. 
From St. John's to downtown, I was blessed by a great number of people with honks and waves and the occasional, Amen, brother! But when I got to Beverly Street, our main drag in this town, something changed. I turned right and I walked all the way down to the Valley Mission. I turned and I came back. I made my way up the hill toward Mary Baldwin. And it was like I wasn't even there. Now to be clear, I'm not looking for attention or praise when I'm walking around our town, but I was dressed in all black with this large cross over my shoulder. I was hard to miss. And this year, on Good Friday, people could have cared less. They just kept talking with their friends. They walked hand in hand with their child. They continued to type on their phones. And the cross seemingly meant absolutely nothing to them. We live in a strange new world. One in which the cross can be confused as an X. Where the message of resurrection can be limited to a basket or a bunny or some eggs. And so I kept walking, feeling a little hopeless about the power of the cross and the good news in our town. I got to the top of Beverly Street and I walked past Mary Baldwin. I walked past Food Lion. I just wanted to get back here to church, put the cross away and go home. But then the Lehigh bell rang and all the kids started leaving. That's just great, God, I said. It's one thing to be ignored by adults downtown, but a bunch of teenagers? Come on, give me a break. But I had to get back here, so I kept walking up the hill. I looked up and I saw this great line of high school students walking down the hill right toward me. I just wanted it to be done. And when the first girl got close... She stood right in front of me. She planted both of her heels into the ground. She put her hands on her hips and would not let me pass. She coughed to get my attention. And I looked up and she said, That is the coolest thing I've seen all day. (laughs) For the next 30 minutes, I had conversations with just about every single teenager on that sloped section of Coulter Street. We talked about Jesus. We talked about the cross. We talked about Easter and the resurrection. And like the kids from the preschool, but unlike a lot of us, they were filled with joy. Many of them, most of them thanked me for doing what I was doing. A good number of them asked me even more questions about this guy named Jesus Christ. And almost every one of them walked away with a smile on their face. Those high school students weren't burdened with questions about how this could happen or the theological ramifications of such a thing or who gets to be part of a resurrection from the dead. They heard the good news. And that was enough. How often do we go looking for Jesus in all the wrong places? We purchase that latest self-help book assuming it will fill the emptiness we feel. We look for him in the bottom of a bottle when we lose someone we love. We search for him in finite and material experiences and attempts to deny the truth about what will happen to us all. When the real truth is that Jesus is near us all the time and we fail to recognize him. We don't see him in the face of the hungry stranger standing in the median by the stoplight. 
We don't hear him in the hopeful word of a timely sermon. We don't experience him in the bread and the cup at this table. We don't even see him in the strange encounter with teenagers who are perhaps hearing the Easter story for the very first time. Sometimes when we read this story, we treat it like it's the end. Like the whole Christian year leads up to Easter and then we're done. Like the faithful life concludes with an empty tomb. I'm not sure why we do this. Because the apostles and the earliest Christians, they understood Easter not as some dramatic conclusion. For them, as it should be for us, Easter is the very beginning. It is the beginning of God making all things new. It is the beginning of the end for the powers and the principalities that struggle to captivate our attention. It is the beginning of a new time, not under the dominion of death, but one that stands in the light of the glory of God. It is the beginning. It is the beginning of a new relationship between God and his people where instead of us looking for Jesus in all the wrong places, Jesus is the one who comes looking for us. Jesus is the one who meets us when we least expect it like on a hill outside a high school, in the wave of a neighbor, in the words of a hymn, in a phone call from an old friend. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the epitome of God's power and grace. Through it we can see how God could take something like a cross, a sign of death, and turn it into joy of life eternal. On Easter... God transformed the tomb in the same way that he did on Christmas in a virgin's womb. God made a way where there was no way. On Easter, Jesus opened up a strange new world for people like you and people like me. For some of us, we might be hearing this story for the very first time. I know that for some of the high school students, it was definitely the first time. Or maybe you've come to church every single Easter of your life and you've heard this story over and over and over again. Perhaps it doesn't strike you in the way that it once did. Maybe this Easter you're filled with more doubt than hope. Perhaps this Easter you can't even believe that you came to church. But truly I tell you, it's not a bad thing. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is a new beginning. A new beginning for those of us who have never been to church, who haven't been to church in a while, or have always been here. The gift we call Easter is for each and every one of us. So open up your eyes and look for Jesus. Discover him in the bread and the cup that we are about to share. Listen for him calling your name in the songs that we sing. Witness the power of resurrection here and now in the people in the pews next to you. Hear the very good news, the best news. He lives, and so do we. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, now and forever. Amen.